Radio Influence. The future is now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Dark to Light podcast with... Thank God it's Friday, Val, and... Beans! It's it's Friday, and you know what sucks is that I had a different plan for the show today, and we have to get some sad news out of the way right out of the get, which is terrible. Yeah. Um, but, you know, former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was assassinated yesterday. Any reason why? There's differing stories. So one of them comes out and says that he was, you know, he had other issues it wasn't policy related or anything and then another one says it was policy related he's a former navy guy now you know japan is like one of the countries that you cannot have a weapon in it, uh, right right i heard that this was a homemade shotgun or something like that it sounded like a cannon yeah it's like one of the safest quote countries on earth um and they have no tolerance for guns really um like this anyway at all and this guy he fashioned like barrels to a plank and created a shotgun and shot him from close range and he died. Mm. And go ahead. No, no, no. I, yeah, that's all I know, too. Uh, that's all anyone knows. Uh, there's there's, you know, Trump came out and made a statement about it because they were very close because they had a lot, um, you know, of, I guess, good rapport. But other than that, there's not much out there on it. Uh, I don't know if this is totally real or what's going on, but they, they, there's also reports that in places like Sri Lanka where, um, you know, a lot of shortages and stuff like that are, are hitting really hard. There's over 200 people have been dead so far. Um, there's just mobs trying to hunt down rich people. I saw that them too. In the streets. Yeah. Yeah. There's video of it. So who, who knows? Everybody, everybody's, uh, everybody's feeling it. Everybody's feeling it. Everybody's feeling it. There's stuff going on all over the world. Um, this is not going to be the entire show, but we have to talk about this. First, it started me. What started me on this was the Guidestones. And I, if there's anybody out there that's going to have some perspective on this, I want to hear it's you. Okay. The, the Georgia Guidestones hit us, Frank. Well, I mean, uh, sad to see them go. It is a it's a they say largely mysterious largely mysterious collection of uh, tablets and it is really just a 10 commandments for a very demonic uh, luciferian worldview it's purely genocidal and in fact i've said in the last uh, day or so it goes beyond genocide because uh, you're, you're you know you, you go and you focus in on one ethnic group or another and you want to reduce them that's one thing and when you say that you need to get rid of at least 94% of the planet to be able to keep it in perfect harmony with, with nature and the rest of the agenda 21 nonsense. That's another, and it's a, it's been a a more and more contested monument in this very remote place in, uh, in Georgia. Obviously there's a lot of people that have, that have pulled up the, the synchronicity and the synchronicities behind uh, timing of when it arrived. It's, you know, it's um, I, I think it's like exactly 666 miles from the U.N. headquarters in in uh, in New York. I mean, it's all weird stuff. People always talk about that. But in recent years, 
it's been more and more held in contempt by those who are waking up to who's running the world. Like, do you really need to know who who commissioned the these tablets? With, well, they're written in eight languages. I mean, we, we we see these faces every day now. It's the Klaus Schwab's of the world. It's the same type of outlook. But somebody took it out and or something took it out. Don't hmm. know. That's the thing. I don't know. So here's here's the thing, too. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't even know what they were. Never heard of them before. So these are massive, you know, 20 something ton tablets, for lack of a for, for lack of a better word, that. The story is a random guy, impeccably dressed, wandered into this, you know, stone shop in this town in Georgia that's known for its granite and rock and stuff and asked them to commission this very particular monument for them and place it in this exact spot where it it ended up because of the way the sun is and all kinds of stuff. And the guy like basically laughed it off because he thought he was a nut and he'd never be able to afford it and quoted a price that was like three or four times what it actually cost him to make these things. And the guy was like, okay. And they got to work. He had to bring in astronomers and all kinds of other stuff to make them. And in it, it on them, it's carved in like languages that have been dead for however long. Old. There's four, there's four ancient languages and then there's eight world languages. So there you go. So the, the, he put these 10, quote, commandments on the, the tablets. I, I think I posted them yesterday because people didn't know. Here we go. Um, they say this. They say, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Mm-hmm. Unite humanity with a living new language. Rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. Balance personal rights with social duties. Prize truth, beauty, and love, seeking harmony with the infinite. Be not a cancer on earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. That's what it says. Right. And they put them up. And then every day at noon, was it right? the sun would shine through a small hole and illuminate the date of that day. It was a star clock and a sundial. Yeah. And then next to it, several feet away on the ground, was another plaque in the ground that said that there was a time capsule buried underneath it, but there were no dates inscribed on when it was buried or when they should exhume it. Yeah, and nobody knows what was in the time capsule. Or if there was one. If there was one, that's actually a point of contention. So uh, that's that's a lot. But as far as the actual video goes, when we heard that it, yeah, every couple of months, somebody goes there and splashes red paint on it, uh, defaces it. They'll spray paint F the New World Order, things like that. And that's always great. It's good to see people um, good to see people ready to express themselves. But as far as this goes, I mean, the blast was so strong. There is no real. I know that there is some footage that was released last night of a supposed humanoid, uh, car- uh, you know, silhouette that was running in and running out. I don't believe it's real. They they have like three frames of a silver sedan driving away from the scene around the time that the explosion happened. Uh, apparently, they're still using webcams from 2001 from outside <laughs> of the Pentagon uh, because we only get three frames at a time. It's really just it, it's so odd. And. Another thing is, I don't know if this is just because the explosion warped everything around it or if it was part of the event. But 
there was a street lamp or something that was next to the 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 guide stones. And when the it was the Hindi and Swahili tablet was blown up, there was a uh, like a flash of light coming from the the street lamp too. Now I don't know. Like again, I don't know if that's just this day a, a disturbance caused by the actual. Um, thing, or if there was an electrical surge, uh, I don't know, finger of God, who knows? But it, it wasn't, it wasn't anything that that left any soot. It didn't disturb the ground around it. Obviously, we were wondering if somebody had brought a wrecking ball in there at some point, but then we saw that there was footage. There's no wrecking ball. Um, but it is just uh, whoever blew it up knew what they were doing. Yeah, this was not some like little detonation with a, like a homemade pipe bomb or something. They like literally had to put like pads on this thing. This, these are 19 feet, 19 foot tall slabs of granite. Yeah. OK, so, yeah. Yeah, they, they so they explode at four oh three and thirty three seconds. Exactly. Which is. <laughs> Just crazy. Yeah. So when I first saw it, the first thing I thought was, OK, is this, quote, good guys sending a message like you're not going to get this done? Or is it the bad guys saying we've accomplished this? Let's get rid of it. Right. Those are my two my two feelings. And then I, I was stunned as later in the day, one like randomly comes in a a a, 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 cat, a caterpillar excavator type machine. And they just destroy the rest of the monument the same day without like there's no police tape. There's no, like they're just getting rid of the crime. Like there's no evidence anymore. There's gone. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know how fast forensic teams work, but it, it was very odd to see this thing getting bulldozed about, you know, within the same 12 hours that the thing went up, blew up. Um, I, I just didn't understand it. You know what, what? How what was the extent of your investigation? I understand if the, if the structure is compromised, you don't want people checking it out. Well, you know, a post a guard, police, post a guard for a couple more hours. It's in the middle of a deserted field. It's not like it's in the middle of a city street. And what what's the deal there? I, I just so I, I don't know. But then again, they got all the debris in uh, New York City out in a hurry, too. Very weird. I don't I don't understand it. So that started me off. And I was just like, everybody's like talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, I, it was just crazy. And then, you know, I went to bed, I went to bed the next morning I wake up and, and I, I go to citizen free press. Like I go to every day. And then I get the notice that Boris Johnson has stepped down after basically his entire cabinet has stepped down. And then I get text messages that um, there's, there's absolute upheaval by the people in Italy. They're just revolting against the government in Italy, like millions of people outside chanting and, and, Standing, we don't. Do and the these. Dutch, the I, Dutch, the Dutch. Yes, it's everywhere. It's happening Polish, everywhere. Polish farmers too are in on that. German German farmers go to the border to stand in solidarity. It's it's this like worldwide thing. And I'm scrolling through Frank, and I get to this line on um on Citizen Free Press where I see I see it says uh, something to the effect of he left the sat- founder of the Satanic Church denounces. Oh, founder of Satanic Church resigns because he found God. And then it says weird, but you can't stop watching. And I'm like, OK, you know what? Let me let me. That's interesting. Let me take a look. So I go, I find I, I surf through. I find the letter from the Satanic Church saying that he has resigned from his position as the presiding reverend of the South African Satanic Church and all of the other things he stepped down from because he was the he ran the thing. 
And then I find his Facebook video and I sit and I watch it 40 minutes long. I can't explain to you what happened in that 40 minutes. It was life changing. It sounds crazy. But this guy basically said, you know, why did I come to Satanism? Well, I came to Satanism because I was very troubled and in a bad place. And it was what most resonated with me at the time. And then he went on to say that there were four Christians who had shown him unconditional love in the past, like three or four months. And it was just random things like he had done a a um, uh, an interview at a Christian radio station or something about it, what he was doing, that he'd never been able to meet this woman in person that he'd been talking to about this stuff for years. And um, she just hugged him after he had denounced basically Jesus as fake and not real and all kinds of other crap. And he felt like this weird feeling when she hugged him and he was like, okay. And then he was going to do one of his rituals, which they have to do, I guess, to get more influence and power and whatever. Mm. And he said that Jesus appeared to him in the ritual and that he said, well, yeah, okay. If you're Jesus, you're going to have to prove it to me. And he was just like overcome with this amazing feeling of like, of love and, and this energetic outpouring of just peace and whatever. And I'm like, like just the way he was explaining it, the way he looked, what was coming out of him as he's talking about this, not overly dramatic, not overly like frantic or, or, you know, whatever, just, just an honest, like genuine, I don't know. Conversion story. uh, Yes. I mean, seriously, like, And then he tells like of these weird coincidences that have happened where he's met somebody just randomly on the beach that he met 20 years ago and just all these things that. that, And it just like took me by like I I can't I had to take the video and put it up on Rumble because I'll take it down soon. Ivory Hecker reported on this as well. And the um, the Church of Satan came out to clarify, (laughs) say this guy didn't have anything to do with us. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's the yeah the the official. I love this. I love how they're verified. I how, listen, I I I've known. I've interviewed Satanists. Uh, actually, I interviewed a couple of times the the former head of the Satanic Church, and it was uh, because he was a Trump supporter, and he started popping up. I had known him from other because he was the front man of a of a heavy metal band that. Uh, we had known and and he was a Trump supporter and he was showing up at some of these early Trump rallies standing side by side with Christians, um, you know, uh, in, in support of uh, of Donald Trump and wanting to wanting to, you know, break away from what was going on politically in the country. So I had him on a few times. And and as far as the as far as the like he was, for example, he was part of the the little uh, the brain trust that put together that that black mass at Harvard. Oh, where they had to move that, where they eventually had to move it off campus and I had to relocate in some Chinese restaurant next to campus. But, um, you know, the whole thing is antag is an antagonistic. It's really just antagonistic, uh, organization for Christians. It's ridiculous for anybody to say that they don't believe in the deity. They don't believe in anything. They're atheists, but they're starting a religion. Um, so the entire thing is is antagonistic. And but the other thing you have to also understand is that people hear Satanism, they hear Luciferian and it they need to realize it doesn't necessarily mean worship of the ancient adversary, 
the demon. No, they, Look, I read about this last night because somebody it, said that. Yeah, right. It doesn't mean it's it's humanism. And this is what ties into transhumanism. A lot of this is about just really encapsulating the um, the essence of Satan's Lucifer's rebellion from heaven and investing in yourself and trying to make yourself as close to God, uh, as close to a God as possible. That's where the, uh, you know, uh, if it feels good, do it kind of mentality comes from. So um, there are, there are plenty of devil worshipers out there, but uh, humanism, Satanism is, is, is actually a little bit more, you know, it's just a self ingratiating. um, While also doing rituals. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's contradictory. It's provocative and it's supposed to um, antagonize people who are from different walks of, of faith and life. I, I read their website last night, which was probably like I was just repelled by it. Like not in like a oh, this is like it was weird. It just did not resonate at all with me at all. Like nothing I was reading was like, oh, OK, at all. Like it was like, what is this? It's just useless. Like it's totally it's it's totally um yeah, it's useless and there's no application for it whatsoever. Confidence is fine. Going out and being uh, a- ambitious and proactive in your life is fine. Believing your- in yourself, uh, uh, making uh, making strides to hone your skills is fine. And-, and you know what? Being atheist and agnostic about things is fine. It's okay to not know. It's okay. You know, everybody goes through that. Some people never get out of that phase. But you, you can still be a moral person. You can still find morality and, uh, and and respect people's boundaries and still be a decent person and neighbor and friend and family member. Um, but the but when you start going into we need to be we need to be in after school programs and abortion is a right. They, they believe that abortion is a self-empowerment ritual. So See, it's- I, I on the Church of Satan website. They say that children are like the purest of things that should never be harmed ever. Okay. Well, then there's, <laughs> and they say you should never, ever, um, kill. I guess that's after you decide. I guess so. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know. But it, anyway, I read through it because somebody was commenting under Ivory Hecker's tweet. Like you have no idea what the church of Satan really is. Have you ever read the website? And I'm like, you know what? No, I've never read the website. Let me go and read the website. And I read some of the website and I saw an interview with one of the people that you know, took over for the guy that died, that created it and wrote the Satanist Bible. And I was like, this is stupid. You know, what's amazing, though. There's this effect. Like you see, you'll see those comments. You don't even know what you're talking about. Ugh, I'm not even a Satanist, but blah, 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 defending Satanism. And and then you say you you take a look at what the way that people have been um, encouraged to act and how the culture has encouraged the kind of the kind of behavior that we see, especially when it comes to the devaluation of life, the devaluation of family, the devaluation of, of basic biology. It's it, it's really it's something else, which is, of course, all transhumanist Luciferian in nature. And 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 they've got all these all these uh, spiritual but not religious, spiritual but not religious do gooders. Mm that have been convincing themselves over the years that they are just, you know, they're, they're riding the middle, they're moderate, they're, they're looking for what blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, they have been committing to, I've always said it when the, the, uh, the main, when the main, the state of Maine had that 
that thing with their internal tuition situation and the Supreme Court came in to talk about how if you're going to make school choice, you're going to give people a lot uh, education money for families, then they have to be able to use it wherever they want, whether it's a Catholic school, a Hindu school, whatever, or a public school. Um, you know, everybody starts saying, oh, well, I guess I guess the Church of Satan, you can take a Church of Satan can open up a they always go to that. Well, you know, what's crazy. Also on the Church of Satan website, they say that you cannot join the Church of Satan until you are at least 18 years old. Yeah, well, you can still just rebel very immaturely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, no, I'm not. This is all I'm saying. All I'm saying is on their website. They say they basically say all the things that you're saying they encourage it's almost as though it's it's the biggest um, lie there is. And and the people that started this whole damn thing say, oh, you can't become a Satanist. You have to be you have to be one before. Like, you can't say I want to be a Satanist and then become one. It has to be how you are beforehand. Right. And, but you can clearly unbecome a Satanist. The, the, this video of this guy, this this conversion story is the most uplifting, beautiful thing I've ever seen with my own two eyes in person, ever. Here, let me play a little bit of this. After the interview, after I said that, and she hugged me, and she held me in a way that I've never been loved. Here we go. That's all she did. She didn't say anything. She just said, it's nice to finally meet you in person. And she just hugged me. And she held me. And a week later, uh, through WhatsApp, through a status, I saw this woman is a Christian. I couldn't believe it because I've never had a Christian do that. I've never had, I've never experienced a Christian showing that much love and acceptance unconditionally. After I've said the things I've said, she did that. And it stayed with me. I I just like, I said, oh, okay, cool. She's a Christian, whatever. And then a week later, and I don't want to, I don't want to talk about Satanism. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about the details of it, but in the occult, there is certain rituals that you do to ascend to the top of a pyramid, and you can only do a certain amount at a time. And after that interview, after that interview, I had a meeting with council members at the at the church, and they said, "Okay, great. Now we've done all these interviews, and people know and." It's growing. Satanism is growing. And believe me, people, it is. It's growing. And I had to do a ritual by myself to see what is the next step? What is the next thing? How do I get more, more power, more influence? And I did this ritual and I opened myself up. And Jesus appeared. And I was extremely cocky. And I said, whatever. If you are Jesus, you need to prove it. (laughs) 
and he flooded me with the most beautiful love and energy. And I recognized that immediately because that woman at the radio station showed it to me. That's how I recognized the love of Christ. Because four people. It's four just, it goes on and on. And I just couldn't stop listening, Frank. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people who, uh, who do believe um, that have seen this or just like, man, I can use a, I can use a shot of that love right now. You get it when you watch this. Yeah. You get that when you watch this, what, what overcomes you, if you, you know, I guess it's not for, not everybody's going to experience what, what I did yesterday, but you feel the exact same thing that he was feeling while you're watching his video. And that was what struck me. And I realized at that moment, it was like crazy. I was like, there, there is a, obviously we know there's a spiritual war on this planet right now. And we always talk about it. Like, let's pretend that like, you know, um, the, the Clintons of the world and the talking about statues of Baphomet and the new world order and Illuminati and all the stuff that we know was, is really just all fairy tale, right? These people that do these things, they believe that this is true, right? Mm-hmm. So even if, even if at the end of the day, like there is no spiritual war, which I don't believe the it, it, people believe there is right. So, you know, that there's something else at play here on this planet right now. You, you can't go around every day and see what's happening and not think that. Well, that was, yeah, that was, I mean, you can, you can feel that was something very, very powerful. Not only that, but like all the things that are happening, you know, it's, it's not going to be peace and roses and love all the time, right? You've got revolution happening all over the world, but that revolution is coming from a place of God made me free and you're taking that away from me and you don't get to do that. It's it's just an inherent thing in humanity and humanity is enslaved all over the planet, whether you're wearing chains or you're, you know, you're the victim of a social credit score or you have to pay ridiculous amounts of taxes or you can't go out to eat or worship because the government says so that's slavery. Mm-hmm. And everybody all over the world, the, the normal people, the, the, you know, the random farmer is bringing a tank to protest the government taking over what their livelihood you it's happening all over the world. And you're seeing these wins. And I said for me and Gigi said this to me too. Roe v. Wade was really the first, the thing that started this steamroll, what it feels like of like good coming back into balance. And you see it in the culture war, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's everywhere. And you know, there's got to be some balance in the in the universe. It can't always be just evil. And I feel like we're starting to get to the point where, you know, they're not going to give up easily. But why the hell is Joe Biden making such dumb mistakes that are so transparently ridiculous that everybody realizes it? It's a it's a, it's a great question. It's a great question. We've gone above and beyond at this point. Like it's just falling. It's just we're just falling into the sea. It's great. It's so like I was having a conversation with a friend about this yesterday. It's over the top transparent. And like there's an old adage, I guess, or an old like philosophy that they're not, you know, demons or bad, bad people or whatever. Like almost like you have to allow a vampire into your house type of lore that they have to tell you what they're doing before they do it. 
Well, that's what the Georgia Guidestones were all about. The Georgia Guidestones was a major, a major public piece of that revelation of the method. And because that, because then if if they tell you your complicity in, insinuates, you know that you're okay with it, and then they have permission. That's basically the philosophy, right? Yeah. So, like, they're they're doing like that's why they write down in their little plans, like the. <laughs> like the Klaus Schwab's of the world have to write down what they're going to do three years before they do it. And I'm just looking around and I'm like, there is something happening on this planet right now that we are all a part of. And which team are you on? Which side are you on? Like, wh- what are you striving for? And basically what I was just, I was just overcome with is that w- imagine what would happen if everybody just took a second out of their day to love more. Sounds mm-hmm. stupid. But if everyone did that, you know how it is. If somebody just opens the door for you, you're like, oh, my gosh, thank you. Like, that was really nice. If someone buys your coffee for you in the coffee line, you it's just it's like you don't have it doesn't have to be something freaking huge. I know. Paying it forward. Little things like that really can really can can change a lot. Uh, uh, I was talking about this on Wednesday night with Adam Krigler when we were just talking about manners and etiquette and all that stuff. And I, um, for many years now, whenever I do go out to shop at a you know grocery store or wherever the hell else that has cashiers, I always pick the cashier who looks unhappiest. And uh, just I just force in some small talk, some jokes, some self-deprecating humor or something like that. And just try to get a smirk out of them. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you can feel, you know, you can feel the energy shift. And there's a lot of things that are going on right now that, like you said, there's, there's a, a, a final, a final firming of our, of our foothold. I believe there's going to be a lot more that has to be fought through, but there, but I think we're going to be shown talk about revelation of the method, just how supernatural our existence is. Um, we've been, we've been told, taught, as you can see, evil still takes their rituals very seriously. They understand what the power of human intention and human consciousness can bring forth, I mean, especially in the way that they conduct themselves in the media, with the propaganda, the lying, the, the, uh, the forcing people out into the streets for phony causes. And they, they start that. They start that emotional harvest process by being able to, you know, uh, consolidate all of their power inside the education system. And that has, of course, not only stripped people of a lot of their reason, and their, uh, but it stripped people of a lot of their connections with God, because it has been, I was reading from the Gallup poll yesterday, that a record low of people, somewhere around 20% or just a hair underneath, believe that the Bible is the literal word of God now, and that there's more and more people who believe uh, that it's just, you know, fables and folklore and a mix of history and all that stuff. And, and I was, it made me think about a story that, or a recent conversation I had with a friend of mine who was at a, uh, a, a christening for someone I know, and they were just going on about how, how boring the whole thing was. And they couldn't wait to get out of the church. And I said, listen, said, I don't know what what the mass was like at whatever church or congregation you were at, but you, you have to understand something here. It's going to feel boring when all of the supernatural nature of what we're doing is stripped out of it. To, to, to think about how to be told 
even if you do go to church, you're going through something. You're you're not actually part of a ceremony that is commune that is seeks to commune with an a deity that seeks to commune with the spiritual realm. It's going to seem like a really bad stage production. It's going to seem boring, ridiculous, but every syllable and every prayer that is backed by human intention has power and meaning. And 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 when there is some kind of a cohesive push toward uh, an end goal like that, uh, then it, it's it's incredibly powerful. And I think that we've been stripped away from that supernatural understanding for so long for such an obvious purpose because they've definitely kept their religion on the left and they've taken all of these hollowed out uh, uh, hollowed out uh, do-gooder dupes on college campuses who have no faith in anything and they've given them causes that are pretty much running parallel to their religious faith but they just don't know it so um, I, I think that this is the time now where where people are going to get slapped in the face with the reality of what we're up against and what is what how we are really plugged into the grander scheme um and that everything that we were told was a myth is actually more truth than anything yeah so. yeah no that's 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 i couldn't say it better so that led me to remember a story that or an experience i had had like years ago where I was doing like all this research. Remember, like right when it was right before WikiLeaks came out and everybody was looking, was kind of like enlightened to like the true nature of child sex trafficking and stuff because of Haiti and the Clinton Foundation and all of that. And people were like just digging in and researching all of this. And I really went into it like I wanted to know exactly how they were doing it, why they were doing it, what they needed to do it for, what the the cause was. And I started like just researching this stuff every day to the point where I would read stuff and I would have to, I would get physically sick just read, reading this stuff. And I one day I was just broken. I was like, this is so terrible. This evil is just, it's horrible. And I have this YouTube account I use for like podcasts and videos, like just work stuff. There's nothing personal on there. Like I don't look at cat videos on this account. And I put my head, I had my headphones in and I went and I sat outside and I was just basically a heaping mess, crying my eyes out. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this song starts playing. And I'm like, first I'm, I'm stunned because you know how something starts playing in your ears and you didn't do it. And you're like, what the hell is that? And I find the, I find what it is. It's on YouTube. It's a, it's a song playing. I, I, I never listened to music. It wouldn't have been in my suggested videos. Like, it's very weird. And it was this song called Fill Me Up by, um, by um, Tasha Cobbs. And, like, I dare you to listen to this song and not be overcome. It's, imp- it's impossible. And, mm. like, you know, li- I put it on its own playlist because every time I feel overwhelmed, I listen to the song and it helps me. But, like, it just... the. Things like that happen to people all the time when they they don't even realize that that, you know, they're getting some kind of a a nudge or a sign or or a hug or whatever, like the littlest like this guy experienced random people doing things for him that changed his entire perspective on everything. And so yesterday was a very emotional day, for me. (laughs) but I wrote this down and I wrote everything out and I published it, which is very, very, very weird. Because that's not what we do at or I do at Uncover DC. I do investigative journalism, but I just wanted everybody in the world to feel what I felt like yesterday. 
<laughs> I, understand, I I know exactly what you mean. You want you want it. You want everybody to feel that, especially when you catch a wave and you stay in it for a while, and you want to be able to find a way to make that uh, last. That's the other. That's the other challenge afterwards. How do you make this last? And how do you continue to renew uh, renew that that epiphany, um, that feeling of you know the lightning striking in the in the best ways ever? Because it's um, you know as you as you know because you deal in headlines. The world chips away at that enthusiasm over time, and then you're you're struggling to replenish the well. So yeah, it, it's there's there's a lot there, a lot there on our plate. Yeah, so I published it, and then I go to Citizen Free Press this morning, and I see in the Dark to Light Extravaganza room, somebody had screen capped it. But like, go go there, go to Citizen Free Press. No, I saw it. I, I mean, I'm like, what the hell? It's crazy. It's right at the top too. <laughs> I know he probably he put my column there, and he said Tracy Beans is inspired on Citizen Free Press, and I'm like. He's spreading the message. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. I was like, I wonder if Tracy's going to talk about this today. It changed yeah. everything. Like in a period where you it's it's impossible not to feel down and beaten and like just looking around. I mean, there's there's always something like I even struggled today with talking about this because of, of the death from yesterday. But I have to remember this every day. I have to go back to this every day. In the morning, when I wake up, when I do my gratitudes, because I say, what am I grateful for today? Every day when I wake up, I'm going to add this in there and remember how it felt yesterday to be over overcome by that feeling of love. It was amazing. Keep keep spreading it, Tracy. Um, Frank, monkeypox is spreading at, in the U.S. <laughs> I know. Like, speaking, how do you go- speaking of spread. <laughs> how do you go to straight news now from this? <laughs> how do you do it? And and uh, and and the, and the incredible thing is that even for the the big legacy billion dollar news networks, they cannot avoid the fact that this is mainly spreading in gay circles. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, look, they have to figure out why. Like, it's, yeah. it's never been an, it's never been that before. Um, they have to like. For them not to, I, I think they're struggling with the fact that if they don't report it that way, they're they're endangering people. I, I don't know. But Otherwise, at the same time, they don't want to report it because it sounds homophobic. Right, but it's just the fact of what's happening. Right. It says here, um, bathhouse sex spread is rampant. Lesions, headaches, debilitating, debilitating pain. Gay men with monkeypox share their stories. Are they not seeing this before they get started? Like, how is it spreading? I don't know, but you you know that every if another uh, I don't know a bunch of these articles come out, there has to be somebody that comes out to condemn the reporting, and then it kind of dies down for a while, and then they have to tell the truth again, and then somebody will condemn the reporting because they just don't like they don't like what's what's being said. I I don't know. It's like, do you want people to to be armed with useful information or what? Yeah, it makes it makes very little sense. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, and it, it's it's funny, too. This is a little bit uh, back to what we were just talking about. But there's a, hud- a headline. There was a poll. Pet owners happier than anyone else. And one of the things this guy said in his video was that the animals are here. God places animals here to show unconditional love to people. And it's amazing. Pet, pet, pet people are happiest because guess what? Your pet loves you no matter if you're in a bad mood, if you're pissed off, if you're angry. 
They love you anywhere. They're, they're happier by 22% more happy. Hey, wherever you can get it at this point. <laughs> um, can you explain something to me? I don't understand it. And I'm being honest. How is the dollar the strongest it's ever been against any other? Oh, world? I saw that. I saw I saw an, an article yesterday where it says the. I think the 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 phrase they used was the dollar continues its dream run. Dream what? Why are we not? Why are we not experiencing any dreams with our dollars? What what's going on here? I don't get it. Oh man, listen, it, it's uh, whatever. Yeah, if a, if a trapeze artist falls off the trapeze and uh, and breaks every bone in their body. Usually to distract the crowd, they send out the clowns at the circus. That's <laughs> that's what happens. They send out the clowns. And they start doing their somersaults and they bonk each other, uh, bonk each other over the head with rubber mallets and all that stuff. Uh, I, what else? What else is there to say? This this uh, Jean Pierre woman, the uh, the black lesbian that they, they brought in to replace Ginger Goebbels. Oh, yes. Yes. She is just so buffoonish. She's. Stupid buffoon. And then again, who knows if she's really smart or not? She she might be moderately intelligent. The thing is that the script that she has been assigned to run is so buffoon. I don't know anybody who can actually make it make sense. But wow, what a job to be that kind of a dancing clown. You think that's why the redheaded, the redheaded, what do we want to call her? Why she left Saki? Because she couldn't stand to do it. I, I said I, what I my theory was that it was just there. They were heading into more uh, contemptuous times. They're going to be heading into a lot more uh, unshaky. Uh, I mean, they're going to be heading into a lot more shaky uh, times. And and the kind of messaging that they're going to have to roll out was going to require somebody higher up the progressive stack who's a little bit more immune to criticism. And that's why they brought in a black lesbian, because because, you know, you know, what do you, you can't what can criticize you say about, her without being? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, without at least you can't criticize her chronically for all of the daily ridiculous shit she's saying without at least somebody implying that you're a bigot. I mean, with 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 uh, with Saki, what was she? She was just a, a salty ginger from Greenwich, Connecticut. I mean, you could. Uh, you can make some you can cast some aspersions on someone like that and you can mostly be right. It would just come down to political affiliations and, you know, venom slinging and all that stuff. But I really just do believe it's as simple as that. The The script that they're running is getting more and more absurd and that the least they can do is throw a messenger out there who's a little harder to criticize. Interesting. I mean, that that's the only thing that makes sense. I um. I, I, you know, there's stuff going on on the Texas border, um, but we have a column coming out today on that. And I, I, I want to let that column kind of tell the story because Wendy's done great work into it. Also, um, a couple different things. I want to end on something very funny and happy. Um, mm. But there's a study that came out of Italy separately, not Italy, Israel. I, I think it was of 196,000 people unvaccinated with COVID, right? And how there was no increased incidence of myocarditis or pericarditis in any of these people. Wow. Which means it says new um, Israeli cohort study involving 196,992 unvaccinated adults found, quote, no increase in the incidence of myocarditis and pericarditis after COVID infection. 
You know what that means? Be careful what you say. It means that COVID doesn't cause those things. So something else must. Because they were saying it was, oh, it's, it's always an increased incidence with COVID. That's why we're seeing this so much now. It's COVID. I had people telling me that after I got sick in April. I know, uh, you poor they, thing. Yeah. <laughs> pe- pe- people, uh, you know, people very uh, th- that cared very deeply for me. Telling you we're you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, getting in touch with me saying, hey, I know that you haven't gotten the vaccine, but you did get COVID. And, and that's the real thing there. So uh, you you got to watch out. It, it could still be affecting your heart. Just when you think that you're okay, you could die. <laughs> like just when you think you're out of the woods, you could be dead. That's that's what people who supposedly care for me were telling me. <laughs> like, okay, well, I'll just uh, I guess I'll just sit here in my in my in my living room and and wait for a sign that something's happening. Yeah, just wait and see when you when you fall one day. You know, right? It's definitely that um, sudden sudden adult death syndrome. Yeah. Absolutely insane. So there was that that came out yesterday. And then, um, you know what? Let's just look. Well, it's a Friday. We'll, we'll end with this. Have you ever heard of um, a comedian whose name is, and I just want to make sure I get it right. Oops. Come on, Tracy. I was, I was, I forgot about this until just now. Um, he, he has a special that he's doing and he, was a Netflix special and he does a bit on abortion mm-hmm. and Netflix told him that he had to cut all those jokes out if he wanted to do the special. And like he's An- Andrew something Schultz Schultz Schultz. I'm just looking for it. Yeah, I saw this. Yeah. So Andrew Schultz um, bought his own special back from Netflix, drained his savings account, bought his special back from Netflix and released it on his own website. Andrew Schultz. And this is one of the things in his Netflix special that I just used as a little clip. But I got to tell you, the abortion bit, it is grimy and dirty and comedian like. Right. But you leave it and you don't know. You don't know what his actual stance is because he insults both sides so equally that (laughs) you have no idea where he stands on it. But here's a bit he did about uh, here. Biden is more entertaining than Trump. The guy is unbelievable Uh but they don't let him out the basement that's the thing you think he lives in the white house how'd he get lost in the lawn did you see that remember when they let him out the basement they took the leash off and he walked into a bush in his own house he walked straight into a bush disappeared like a homer simpson meme just just completely disappeared you do that in your home there's no way you do that in your home bro he fell up the stairs you don't remember that 375 years old, hit some stairs, rolled to the top of them to fight physics. This is how he wants to go to heaven. He's like, is this a stairway? Any way I can get to heaven, get me the out of here. There was a month where every child within two feet of him, he bear hug and sniff their head. You don't remember that? One whole month, every single kid just... They started giving him Jewish kids so there'd be a little protection. He was yanking off the armacus. Did you catch the hunter joke? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> now, I didn't hear any of that. No, I didn't hear that that part. That's that's pretty funny. I don't know. You, you, you got some F-bombs to clear out. Yeah, there. I know. But um, real talk nine, three, three. Right. I know. Well, well, it's real now. Um, 
But yeah, I I looked into the abortion joke just because I was wondering what possibly could Netflix be uncomfortable with since they are in league with all types of uh, uh, comedians and comedians who are very, uh, I mean, they, they use abortion as a prop for cheap laughs and they celebrate it. And it's, you know, it's, it, it's kind of, it, it's gross. And the approach that he took was, um, you know, it, obviously I would, I would, I would veer away if I was a, a comedian, I just, I, I don't find anything uh, redeeming about abortion as, as far as a, a joke goes, but this actually got me to stop and say, huh, I see what you did there. Yeah. I see what you did there. He, uh, he, it was a bunch of really cleverly disguised jokes in that bit. Right. Like he talks, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but basically he says he saw a dad outside the clinic with his daughter who was about 10. And he said he had to run and save her life because. <laughs> oh yeah. I know. Basically I, I, insulting people who want to abort babies at birth. And beyond. And beyond. Right. So he definitely sees where the, where the trend is. Um, and and it, you don't know what, I don't know, like I said, before this, this headline got out about the Netflix special, I didn't even know who he was. So um, I can't, I can't vouch for anything else, but that was uh, an interesting take though. Still pretty brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal. Yeah, he's a he, he's a like he he was definitely dancing around or over the edge on a few of those. Um, but the whole point is, is that he said, forget you, Netflix. I'm taking this back. He bought his own special back from them because he was in contract. I wonder how much that cost. He said he drained his entire savings account and he's praying that people buy it on his website. I, I, I bought it. Fifteen bucks. Hopefully he makes makes it back. That's a that's a uh, a ballsy move to say, give me it all back. Because it's a, it's a it's the production cost. It's everything. Yeah. I'm, yeah. It's the night. It's the night at the venue. It's the camera crew. It's the editing. It's everything. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. It's got to be really, really expensive. Um, but Netflix also put out a thing yesterday. Basically, t- like they used to have this open forum where everybody could like submit their their issues with Netflix. And what they were thinking, and then they would get a response from leadership, like upper, upper, upper echelon leadership within like two or three days. And they've just stopped responding to all of them because they're all like pent up, snotty lefties who have qualms about intersectionality. Like what we played on Wednesday, basically the NPR Tyler Fisher clip. Yeah. Things are changing. They are. And then guess what? If you listen to this and you don't like it, guess what? You have the option to do. Turn it off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a that's a revolutionary thought. (laughs) If it makes you uncomfortable, you can just stop watching it. I don't like the things that I don't like exist somewhere. (laughs) We'll have to get on that, Frank, for next time. Yeah, we'll figure it out. (laughs) You have been listening to the Friday edition of the Dark Delight podcast with Thank God it's Friday, Val and Fiend. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. And also Saturday and Sunday on Real Talk 933, which is now bleeped. <laughs> we'll see you on Monday. Later.
This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Aftermath of UFC 276. And um, scrolling through my Twitter timeline, one of the, the more interesting things that I saw was the finish rate of UFC champions and where Izzy stands in this list. Izzy's finish rate in the UFC is 33%. The only fighter that is lower than 33% is Carla Esparza. So just kind of give a full list here. Yuri, he's at 100%. Nganu, 91.7%. Uh, Oliveira, 90.5%. Nunez, 71.4%. Figueredo, 70%, which you brought up. That's kind of an interesting number. In fact, that that's at flyweight. Pena, 57.1%. Shevchenko, 50%. Sterling, 38.5%. Usman, 33.3%. Volkanovsky, 33.3%. But you brought up a really interesting point about the three fighters that are all at 33%. Usman, Volkanovsky, and Adesanya. Maybe it has a lot to do with the competition they're facing. Yeah. You have Usman at welterweight, Volkanovsky at featherweight, and Adesanya at middleweight. I think... The only other weight class that I would put in that top four is lightweight. I think those are the top four weight classes in the UFC. In fact, I would probably say lightweight might be the toughest weight class in the UFC. So hats off to Charles Oliveira, who I also spent time fighting at featherweight. But yeah, there are a couple things here. One, when you look at this list, Oliveira, who has a 90.5% finish rate in 21 fights. I think that speaks to... Crazy. We we are underestimating how legendary what Oliveira is doing at both 45 and lightweight. That's astonishing. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.